Nahmaduhu Nasalli ala Rasul Kirim Amabad, respected brothers and sisters, apologize for the delay in the khutbah. Respected brothers and sisters in Islam, Alhamdulillah, we have experienced a month of Ramadan, and now the youth, those that are in high school and college, they're preparing for now the school, their education to begin. And this is a time that the parents, the students, the whole household, they have a mission. And they get to begin to how they could be successful in their lives, in their education. More than the students, the parents have this concern. The parents have the concern that my child, my son, my daughter will go to so-and-so school. We have this habit of making sure that they get into the best schools. If they're in college, we make sure that we applied for our scholarships, our financial aid. We choose the best classes. And all this is a system that is put in place where we're staying in America. This is a system that we are part of that we don't need to make any effort. It becomes part of our life that automatically we know that when the month of August is about to start, then we need to start again. Summer is finished. Time for enjoyment is over. Now it's back to work. Now we need to become serious. Why? Because this is reality. This is where we need to start making effort. Because by making effort for the next school year, next academic year, that will determine my child's future. That will determine whether my son in the future will be successful or unsuccessful. Whether my daughter will go to a certain school or not. So this mindset that we have, it's an automatic response. And wherever we go in society, we go outside, it's always reminding us that. If you open the newspaper, we see the back-to-school sales. If you see the media, it's always talking about schools are starting on so-and-so date, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. Because why the entire society prepares for this? We have to make no effort. So we also become part and parcel of it. And which is a good thing, that we should be ready we should prepare our children for this and make sure that they have the best education, make sure they have the most brightest future. But just as we prepare for something that is going to come in this next year or for the school for four years or eight years, why? Because we have a goal in mind. We have a very specific goal in mind that perhaps, just perhaps, if he is successful in this next few years, if he gets the degree, if he gets the job, then he'll have a safe and wholesome life. And all this effort that we're doing is for that end goal that we see. And the end goal is what? That perhaps, we're not even sure, there's no guarantee. And we know that there are many people that have, they're highly educated, they're highly qualified, they have degrees, but they have been laid off. They cannot find a job. They're in a state that they're looking for some source of income. People that have master's degree, they're doing menial jobs. Why? Because they cannot find a job in their profession anymore. So there is no guarantee for it, but we know that, no, the system is in place. And that is the norm, that if you want to have a good job, if you want to have a good income, you want to have a nice family, buy a house in a secure location, send your children, your future children, into a nice school, this is a system you have to go through. And rarely do we find a person who doesn't go to a system who's going to have that end goal that we have in mind. So because of that, perhaps, the chance 
that there is a strong possibility by them doing this, they will be successful in the future, they'll have a comfortable life in the future, we, without even hesitation, we follow this system. And we put our children, our families, our lives, our entire schedule then surrounds this. Because why? We have sense and we understand that we have to do this. But respect, respected brothers and sisters in Islam, just how we have concern for something that is coming in the near future, in the same manner, when is the time when we're going to start to think about the far future? That future that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls it al-yawmu sa'a. Says it yawmu sa'a, the day of the hour. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls a hereafter as the day of tomorrow. That's how close Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to that day. That tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, this will happen. When tomorrow comes, this will take place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to this in a very close manner. This is also something that is part of our system. This is also something that we have to prepare as well. And we have to get our families, our children, our relatives into that mode as well. As human beings, we only reflect on that which is right in front of us. And that which we could see with our own eyes. Something that is tangible sometimes. Then we have a sense of understanding it. But that which we cannot see, which we cannot comprehend, we, tend, we have a habit to delay it. We have a habit to believe in it, but not really believe in it. We understand it, but we don't really believe in it. As I say in Urdu, One is that you know it. One is that you believe in it. So we all know, as Muslims, we all know that, yes, this life we have, this is a life we have to make effort for, but the real life, the life of the hereafter is the ultimate life. And that is the life that we need to prepare for. That is the life that we need to take time out for. We need to get ready our, our children, our families, our relatives, the society that we live in. We have to make that the ultimate goal. We know that. But the difference comes that do we believe in that? And that believe is what makes the difference. Believing in the hereafter, truly to come, without a doubt. It is only those people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alif Lam Mim, Thalika al-kitabu la rayba fi, Hudallil muttaqeen, Alladheena yu'minuna bil ghayb. That Alif Lam Mim, only Allah knows the meaning of Alif Lam Mim. Thalika al-kitab, this kitab, la rayba fi, there is no doubt in it. The Qur'an, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the kalam Allah, there is no doubt in it. La rayba fi, hudan lil muttaqeen. This is guidance for the, those that have taqwa. Who are those people? Who are the muttaqeen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That's not the word Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used. Those that know the unseen. Those that understand the concept. No, those that believe in the unseen. Very specific words Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses. They have iman, firm belief, conviction. Conviction is something that there's zero doubt about. You don't have to see it. You know 100% it exists. They believe in the unseen. What is the unseen? Everything that we cannot comprehend with our sense, that is unseen. 
the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jannah and Jahannam, the day of Qiyamah, the day of resurrection, the accounting and the hisab that will take place, all this falls under ghaib. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, who will get guidance from this book? Alladheena yu'minuna bil ghaib. Those that have complete understanding, those that have complete belief in the unseen. So just how in this society, we always make effort, and we understand without effort, nothing can be achieved. Nothing can be achieved without effort. Similarly, respected brothers and elders, if this world, which the Prophet ﷺ in a beautiful narration, which is a hadith of Qudsi. Hadith of Qudsi is when the Prophet ﷺ, he says, Allah says this. When Prophet ﷺ in the narration, he says, Allah is saying this. So in a hadith of Qudsi, the Prophet ﷺ says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this world is not even equal to a wing of a mosquito. If it was even equal to a wing of a mosquito, I mean, if it had any value whatsoever in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not have given even a drop of water to quench for the disbelievers. It means those that don't believe in Allah, they will not be given anything to drink. But because this world has no value whatsoever, it's free for everyone. Everyone has a share in it. The Muslim, the non-Muslim, those that believe in Allah, those that deny in Allah, those that are the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they all get a share in the world. Because what? it has no value. It has no value whatsoever. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator, the sustainer, the khaliq, the malik, the razik. In Allah's sight, this world has no value. So this world which has zero value, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Still too, we make so much effort. Still too, we make so much effort that from the age of four, sometimes even at the age of three, we send them to what? Preschool. We send them to Montessori school, kindergarten. We put them in private schools, pay you know, fees of $600, $700 a month for a four-year-old to go to school. Right? Until they come to the age of 12, then we want to make sure they get into the best colleges as well. We apply for scholarships. They must get into, they must have the best education, the best track. They must get their masters. They must, if they can, they must try to get a PhD as well. Why? What is all this for? Let us, let us think, why do we do all this to our children? Because we know that with effort, there'll be result with that effort. By making an effort, we will see the result. And what is the result? They will have a nice life. That's period. That's it. They will have a nice, they will have a nice roof over their head. They'll have nice food to eat on their table. That is the ultimate, basic, simplified, what is the purpose? So I'm not saying that we shouldn't make effort. No, we should make effort. But we need to realize, but if something that has zero value in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we make so much effort. Now we are intelligent beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us intelligent beings. That thing which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for us in the hereafter. That day of the hereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given and said, Mulkan Naima. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, a huge kingdom is going to be for the believers. Now, let us bear in mind that when someone says something is big, it depends on the individual who's saying it. If a child a seven-year-old child, eight-year-old child, he says, I have a lot of money. You know, on the day of Eid, he got Eid. He says, I got a lot of money. $100, $200, mashallah, he got $300, he got. That's a lot of money to him. A lot of money to him. A teenager 
or a person who just starts work and he fests and he, you know, brags to his friends and he says, you know what, I got a lot of money. Okay, we'll say about what, 5,000 maybe, 10,000, because that's a lot for, you know, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, that's a lot. Someone, mashallah, Allah's blessed him, he has a nice job, you know, let's say he's a physician, and he, you know, Allah's blessed him with a lot of money, and he happens to use the word a lot. And he says that he has a lot of wealth. Then you'll say, okay, maybe 500,000, a million, two million, you know. It depends on the person who's speaking, right? But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, subhanallah, malikul mulk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the king of all kings, the king of all kings, the one who created the entire universe, and the universe is such that we still don't understand how big the universe is, right? Scientists and astronomers are still exploring the universe and how vast and wide it is. It's mind-boggling. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whenever I want to create something, it is easy of saying, kun fayakun. Just saying, be and it becomes. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to create a billion universes equal to the one we're in right now, it's a matter of saying, kun fayakun. And it'll come into existence. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there is a vast kingdom for those that believe in him, for those that have iman, now how big must that kingdom be then? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I will give you a lot, and I'll give you whatever your heart desires, how much would that be? How big should that be then? Because again, keep in mind, it depends on the being, the individual who is saying a lot, big, vast. So vast according to us is something very small, but vast in the eyes of Allah is not something small. That's something we cannot comprehend. So in this world, we make so much effort for something that is so limited, has no value, and is temporary as well, which we have to leave. Everyone has to leave. But that, that hereafter, which is forever and everlasting, never coming to an end, forever and ever, ever and ever, that's a concept that human beings, they pretend to understand, but we can never truly understand. What does forever, what does eternal mean? Infinite means. And so much so that in the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when describing the ni'mah of Jannah, he says the ni'mat or jannat are such that when you eat something, when you eat a fruit and take a bite into one of the fruit, it will be the most sweetest bite you have ever taken. You'll forget all the pleasures of the world. But when you take the second bite, it will be sweeter than the first bite. When you take the third bite, it will be sweeter than the second bite. And it will get sweeter and there will be no limit to the sweetness. On every Friday, there will be a gathering. There will be a gathering and all the believers, all those that are in Jannah, they'll come. And when they return to the palaces in Jannah, their wives will say that you look more beautiful than you were before. And the husbands will say to the wife that you also look more beautiful than you were before. And every Friday, their beauty will increase and increase and increase. There is no end to it. We could pretend to understand this, but in reality, when you think forever, never coming to end, is there even a limit? There is no limit to the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But... We make effort. So along with this effort in this world, side by side, we have to make a, another effort, the ultimate effort. And that that's the effort of the hereafter. That just how we want a peaceful life, a safe life, not for us only, but for our families, for our children, for our loved ones. And alhamdulillah, those that are, you know, fathers over here sitting in this gathering and the mothers that are listening in, 
you realize that how much sacrifice sometimes the father and mother have to do to make sure that my son or my daughter has a beautiful life. I will sacrifice my pleasure, especially those that, you know, come from overseas and they start working. Sometimes they're working two, three jobs at a time. Early in the morning, 4 o'clock, they leave the house. They come 11 o'clock at night time. Then they take a third job also on the weekend. Seven days, they're week. Seven days a week, they're working. We are asking, why are you doing this? I just want a bright future for my child. That's the only thing I want. I want to make sure that my child has those opportunities which I never had in this world. I want to make sure he gets, in, he gets the best education. He has the most comfort. He is happy. He is comfortable. And they do all this. And I've seen examples with my own eyes where the fathers and the mothers, they work so much. Why? For the sake of the safety and comfort and the happiness of the children. But we all love our children so much. Let us take the same concern a step further. Let us have concern for the hereafter. Is my son, is my daughter praying the Fajr Salah or not? Is my son or daughter upholding the commandments of Allah Subhanahu or not? Are they involved in any sin that they're not supposed to be involved in? What is going to happen on the day of Qiyamah? Is my son or my daughter going to be safe on that day? Are they going to be comfortable on that day? Are they going to be happy on that day? Let us have concern for this as well. If not, the loss of this world is a loss. We admit it. If someone doesn't have a comfortable life, it's difficult. But a loss on the day of Qiyamah, we cannot even explain how big of a loss that's going to be. The losses of this world can be made up. You have some difficulties in this world. They can be made up by making more effort. But if a person is a loser on the day of Qiyamah, then he'll remain a loser. A person comes to the court of Allah Subhanahu he does not have Iman, he does not have faith, he does not have sound faith, then that person is a loser forever. And on that such day, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, And on that day, each and every individual have his own shan. It's a yawma yafirru. One is dhahaba, one is just to go. Dhahaba in the Arabic language is just to leave. Farra yafirru means to flee, running away like you're trying to save your life. Yawma yafirru al-mar'u min akhi. A person will flee away from his brother. Wa ummihi wa abi. A person will run away from the mother and the father. Flee. Not just walking away, just like trying to save his own life. I'm being far away from you. I, don't have, I have nothing to do with you. And from his spouse and from his children, he's going to flee. Each and every individual on that day will have his own shan, his own state. In this world, we show our love, but let us show also our love for our family members, ourselves, for on that ultimate day. Because why on that day, no one will be able to help each other out. Everyone is going to be in his own concern, his own worry. But you have time in this world. Let us make effort that along with the education that we give our children, how can we give them an Islamic education? They know their skills for the ACTs and SATs, or if they finish the college for the AMCATs and LSATs, they're preparing that. We take sometimes a year off. Why? Because you need to prepare for your AMCATs. So we make so much effort to make sure why? Because that's an examination. We want to make sure they get the best results. The best result. So many individuals take a whole year aside to prepare for that exam. So why? They could get the highest remarks. But when's the last time we took a year out for the sake of the hereafter? Let me take my sons one year out. 
Let me take one year out of the schedule. Why? So they could recognize Allah. They could understand what Quran has to say. They could understand what the Prophet ﷺ has to say. Because of all that, let me take one year out of my child's life out for the sake for them to become a true Muslim. Respected brother and elders, many people, they ask us questions that what is this one-year program that you guys have at Darussalam? How can you become an alim in one year? I say, when did we say you become alim in one year? We never even called it an alim course. Yes, if people outside calls it, that's their fault. Don't blame us for that. But we never called it an alim course. We said this is a one-year intensive program. But what is this intensive program? What is the purpose of this intensive program? The sole purpose of this intense program is a person becomes a better Muslim. That is it. How many of our youth, they have gone to universities? Their Iman and Islam was weak. They took a few classes and now they have left the fold of Islam. You have heard this khutbah from me, from Mufti Adim, from Mufti Minhaj and the other Aima in this locality about our youth leaving the fold of Islam. I'm not going to talk about that. But what is the reason? Why are they doing it? Is it that we don't have enough Muslims in our area to teach them Islam? Is that the reason? Is it because why we're so weak, we don't have wealth, we don't have resources? Alhamdulillah, the situation we are in this locality, the numbers of Muslims, we never had this number before. The number of resources and wealth we have in our community, we never had that before in this locality. The, the amount of scholars and hufad we have in Chicagoland, we never had this many before. But why is it that the number of people leaving the fold of Islam is never as before? What is the reason? What is the reason that people are still leaving the fold of Islam? And the reason, my respected brothers and others, is that we have lost our path. We have lost our path. And we have now just concentrated only on this dunya. That's all we have concentrated on. And we said, I am a Muslim. I pray Salah. My name is Muhammad. My wife's name is Fatima. My child's name is Ahmad. Alhamdulillah, that's enough. I don't need to do anything else. We have never taught them what Islam really is. Islam is just a religion of my dad. Islam is just a religion of my mother. That's all it is now. So when they go to universities and take a look, why are you Muslim? I really don't know. I was born a Muslim. That's why I'm a Muslim. So but that doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be something. You shouldn't be forced to be something. You have a right to choose. Oh, really? You know what? I choose not to be a Muslim. And they leave the fold of Islam. They ask them such questions that they doubt the Quran. They doubt the Prophet Sallallahu teaching. The narrations of the Prophet Sallallahu they, they create identity crisis in their youth. That when they go, they don't know what they are. In the house, there's something else. When they go to colleges, there's someone else. When they're with their friends, there's someone else. When they're with their relatives, there's someone else. This identity crisis is huge in our youth. This one year gives you that identity that why are you a Muslim? One of the first questions that we ask in our Aqidah class is, why are you a Muslim? And you'll be surprised, majority have no answer. Because I was born a Muslim. Because my dad is a Muslim, my mother is a Muslim, that's why I'm a Muslim. Because I believe in the Quran, it's okay, how much of the Quran have you understood? Zero. Said, so how are you a Muslim because of the Quran? You don't even understand what's in the Quran. So it's, it's all like, they're just assuming. So there's one year respected brothers and sisters in Islam. It is why we have this course, is for them to become firm Muslims. So when they go back in society, they become Muslim first, then a student. Muslim first, then a husband. Muslim first, then a doctor, an engineer. They always know their identity, that I am a Muslim no matter what. And I am a Muslim not because of my father, not because of my mother, not because my family's surname is Siddiqui. I am a Muslim because I firmly believe in Islam. 
I firmly believe in Allah and His Prophet in the Quran, and I'm going to defend this, this aqidah of mine, this creed of mine. For that reason, we have this one-year program. Inshallah, the one-year program will be starting this Monday. If any of the brothers and sisters are interested, time is very short, the seats are very limited. I request you, you contact one of the scholars, go online, we have also people in the back that you could find out what is this is about. Take a year off of your time. Now this is not only for students, we have people that were doctors. They were practicing doctors in ER, they changed their schedule to such that they're only working on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and they're joining the one-year program. Why? They wanted to study. They wanted to know what Islam has to say. So we had people that were married that are part of this course. We have children that are 16 years old that are taking this course out. So for this reason, I request you also to find out more information, contact your family, family members, and learn about this program, not for the sake of Darussalam. I'm not here to promote Darussalam. If